The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Pat Scott. Hey, Pat. Hello there. Uh, Father Andrew couldn't join us tonight. He's a little under the weather, I think. So uh, we wish him well. I hope he gets well soon. Uh, and it'll be just the two of us. And we've got a potpourri of stories for you tonight. We don't have a, a main topic, per se, like we sometimes do. Uh, but we got a potpourri of headlines we're going to be discussing. Some interesting stuff. Before we get to that, I do want to tell you all about another show on the StarQuest Network called Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. If you have not yet discovered Jimmy's World, definitely need to check that out. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at mysterious.fm. And uh, check it out. We've got some great uh, episodes lately and a really cool one coming up. On Friday, called uh, about announcing dreams. Uh, Ooh, yes, it's very, very interesting. You'll be interested in this one, Pat, because your daughter has a large role in this one. There's lots; she does lots of uh, voiceover work in this one. So, oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, let's get into it. Our uh, first headline that I want to talk about is Meta, the uh, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, has been sued by California and other states, I think um, a grand total, I think, of 41, pretty much almost every state. I don't know what the others are doing, but uh, they're just they hadn't read the headlines yet. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be jumping on soon. Uh, and the, the majority, the, the, the basic claim is that Facebook and Instagram exploit young people for profit and feed them harmful content. Um, they they say that uh, the lawsuit says, um, oh, that's the Facebook's. Uh, Attorneys, they're defending them, uh, but the, the let's see, the, the, they claim that they're knowingly preying on vulnerable young people to boost profits. And a lot of this is based on the whistleblower uh, testimony in 2021 by a former Facebook employee who testified before Congress uh, about how internal studies at Facebook and Instagram showed that many adolescent girls using the photo sharing app were suffering from depression and anxiety around body image issues and they weren't they weren't going to do anything about it and so on. What do you think of this lawsuit? Is it do you think it's kind of is it is it Facebook's fault? You know, should should it be parents who be more in charge of their kids, watching their kids? You know, Facebook says they give lots of tools to kids and parents and whatnot. What do you think of this? I think there's a balance. I think that in the past they've used a lot of psychological tricks to keep you scrolling, to uh, to have things in the feed that just kind of self-reinforce whatever mm -hmm. you're looking at. It keeps giving you more of, if it was something that made you upset, it keeps giving you more of that. And I'm sure that's true in the young, the ki young kids area too. But I think that the parents 
have a greater role to play in educating their kids about what's possible and not possible on social media. And the, just to, to learn how to safeguard that is not society's issue. You know, it's more the parents' issue to kind of help learn because it's not just social media. There's a lot of things out there that kids have to be cautious and learn how to deal with. Mm. But uh, on the other hand, I know that Facebook has been uh, dinged for, you know, using psychological gambling style techniques to, right. to kind of hook people. I it kind of it's kind of like the whole cigarette argument. It's like, you know, it's one thing we know cigarettes are harmful, but if the tobacco companies are pumping more nicotine in to make them more addictive, yeah, that's that's on them. And it's kind of the same way. I feel like a lot of these social media are may, are intentionally making their product more addictive and we're all suffering, but young people especially so. And I kind of feel like uh, I'm a dad of two teenage girls, so I I have a, a you know, I have a uh, uh, what is it? A, a, a stake? <laughs> a stake in this hunt? I, I don't know. Whatever the whatever the idiom is, uh, I think maybe we shouldn't allow kids under the age of eighteen on social media. Maybe that should be banned because right now it's like uh, kids under thirteen can have social media accounts if they have explicit permission from their parents. Which you know that's a little baloney. That you know, well, go, they can go get bring, around it. Yeah, bring the phone to your parents and have them sign in. Uh, I'll just do it for them, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think maybe they shouldn't allow people under the under the age of, who aren't adults to be because these are these are it's almost like a dangerous powerful. tool. Yeah, they're powerful. And frankly, you know, adolescent still developing brains aren't I don't know if they're ready for it. I, that seems extreme. I know that that's um kind of uh, very non libertarian of me, you know, but I don't know. It just. It feels like these are harmful tools for for young people. Yeah, I agree. That in in like like the cigarette commercials in the past, as you mentioned, they used to use things like cute cartoon characters or things like that that were aimed at kids, and so therefore it would be hard to say, oh no, we're not pitching for kids, you know. Right. And in in many ways, the the uh, X and Instagram and all those things are geared toward younger ones. The older people aren't really using them near as much as the younger ones. In in some ways, it's like it's not that the it's it's the inherent addictiveness of the apps really that are the problem. It it may not be that they're intentionally going after kids, although I wouldn't put it past them. But it may also be just that the fact the way the algorithm works is it doesn't care who you are. It's going to make itself as addictive as possible to you. And when right. it's kids, it makes it even worse. And we've heard some like there are some statistics about anxiety and depression and uh, uh, other issues and suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Suicide, among young people, yeah. it's, it's skyrocketing. And a lot of people are kind of correlating it with the rise of social media. Yeah, I can see it. And so, yeah, it the problem is, is trying to say under a certain age, how do you enforce it? And because anybody can sign up and, and give give their age is something wrong and right. get in that way. There's really no controls except for the ones that the parents, you know, monitor when they're setting it up, et cetera. There's not really a way to to fix it. There are certain there are certain ways that companies can verify age like adult versus minor. 
like you can like they they take your information they can determine if you are there are there are databases id databases that i think are government run for certain things like um alcohol firearms that sort of stuff there are things that I, i'm trying to remember now it's off the top of my head but i feel like that there is these databases of government information that allow them that, that they don't get free reign in it to, to dig in it, but they can say, is this person an adult? And they can get a, a binary yes or no, which well, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it would be. Or if there isn't there, maybe if these states want to ban kids from being on these platforms, they could make such a thing available. Of course, then you always have those edge cases of adults who get misidentified as being young or the person who just turned 18 and the database hasn't caught up yet. And those sorts of issues. I don't know. It, uh, a lot of kids aren't even like, I mean, most kids aren't on Facebook anymore. Anyway, that's not a, a kid place. Like you mentioned, it's TikTok, it's Instagram to maybe a lesser degree. Uh, Snapchat is still out there. Uh, and, yes. But, but a lot of kids are even just in texts and discord and in private servers now anyway, um, which is probably better, frankly. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, not monitored, but it's not manipulated by an algorithm either. I don't know. Again, I think it comes back to parents. And this is this has been one of the hardest things having to navigate is, you know, my my 17 year old has she has a phone, which she got in the last you know year and a half or so as she needed it. And then my 15 year old daughter, we realized she kind of needs a phone now, too, because She's involved in, you know, activities where you're expected to be able to communicate with the other kids, it's like scouting. And now we're doing the, having the same thing with the 14-year-old and 12-year-old boys where they're in scouts. Their patrol leader communicates with the patrol via texts, you know, to all. And, and it's just assumed that everyone's going to have a phone. And it's like, I don't really want them to have, like, they have non-data, you know, non-active phones for, you know, doing uh, music and that sort of thing. But to get, uh, you know, phones with phone numbers and access to the internet and uh, I just don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's hard. And there's a, it, there's a, the two opposite poles of, you know, censor everything and monitor everything and keep your eye on everything. And now, you know, the kid doesn't have a chance to develop their own good sense at, through guidance. And on the other hand, just having it loose that no monitoring is done. So there's got to be a balance in there. Right. That you've got some, some ability to help them. Uh, choose the right things and to uh, not not go beyond some limits. Yeah, and, and screen time on the Apple devices or the Google uh, equivalent is good to a degree, but it doesn't. It's not granular enough. It doesn't go far enough. And we've had issues with um, one of my kids who kept downloading these games and and staying up late all night. And just is addicted to it, and I it it it, it hurts my heart to, to to see him struggling to not to, to obey, you know, to to do the right thing, and get, having to give into this this addiction basically to downloading these games. And I've I put I put up the barriers. He figured a way around it. We took the phone away. Said you can't have the phone unless you know you, you obey. And we eventually build up trust again, and we we give it back. And we've been okay for now. But there's other things like. You know, my older daughter, my 15 year old, she loves playing Minecraft uh, and she's got we got her set up on a Mac now and uh, we have screen time on it. But screen time 
can't regulate Minecraft because it's a Java app. Oh. And it's like, and I've, I've looked it all up, you know, all this stuff. And you can set up an Xbox account and regulate it through the Xbox parental controls, even though it's on a Mac. And, and I'm like, I'm not, I can't jump through all these hoops to get this. And so we're just working with her to like build up some discipline and keep, keep it off, not running on the computer at all when she's, you know, doing her schoolwork during the day and that sort of stuff. Um, it's, it's hard. This stuff is, this it's, it's, not, it's not stuff my parents had to deal with, with me, you know, I mean, we had other issues, I suppose, but this is a whole different world. Um, and we're, you know, it's a struggle for everyone, I think. Yeah. Golly, that, that is hard. Yeah. Know? Yeah. The worst I had when I was growing up was my mother not wanting me to read the science fiction books my older brother had, you know, because of the lurid <laughs> covers. Yes, right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and that was the worst it was. I know, I know. Oh, man. Um, so uh, we'll see how that lawsuit goes and whether it makes any difference in things. And frankly, I think at this point, it's really up to parents. It, you know, the, the government is gonna, isn't going to save us uh, with this one. So uh, speaking of things that aren't going to save us, uh, ChatGPT can now uh, browse the Internet. Uh, so the OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, says that uh, it is no longer limited to data before September 2021. Anyone who's used ChatGPT may have run into this message from the, the AI saying that, uh, you know, oh, I can't do that for you. I, I only have access to any information up to September 2021, which is when the original large language model was built that was had been available. But now they've uh, modified it so that it can search the Internet for more current data. Uh, so if especially if you have um, a paid account, you can go to ChatGPT and ask it to, you know, what is the most recent reviews for mountain bikes printers or printers whatever, yeah yeah uh in or you know ask it for consumer price index and data or you know it you know it won't be necessarily up to the minute information but it will certainly be very recent uh you know within maybe days or weeks or a month or something like that uh, which is better pat do you, do you use chat gpt for much at all no, um, I you know I played with each of the different ones out there for a little bit, but uh, especially the fact that the Chat GPT uh, does the free version still not get you to the internet? Is that correct? No, I think it. I think the free version will uh, at this point. I I, I have I know, a paid version that I, checked, I use. Yeah, and when I checked a couple of weeks ago, it was only the paid version that could get to to oh, the internet. Okay. So, but I've used Bard and I've used uh, the Bing AI chat and it, th those both can get to the internet. I don't tend to use it a lot, but, you know, trying to say, I want to give a, a customer some instructions on how to do certain things. I might ask one of the AIs to tell me how to do X, Y, or Z on a Mac or a PC, and it'll give me an outline and then I can flesh it out from there or uh, modify it or get rid of the bad parts <laughs> right right yeah because it's not perfect yet uh so nope. it is available uh today to plus and enterprise users so the paid accounts and will expand to all users soon at some point whichever yeah. soon is um but yeah I, I it's a it's not a substitute for you know being able to google a thing i suppose you know if you if you're not very good if you haven't learned how to use a search engine very well 
using a, a an AI and a large language model to help you search for things on the internet could be useful. Um, but it's good for lots of different things. It's just sometimes like the basic open AI interface is so blank. You don't know what to do or say you need some guidance. And there are some tools out there to help you, you know, give you some ideas of what you can use it for. Um, I'm seeing more and more of these software tools that interface with it come out. So it's well, it's interesting. And both Bard and the Bing AI, you know, you 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 type a search in and they'll give you the regular search with, you know, here's certain websites that you've but they'll also give you a generated AI discussion of it with embedded links. So you you're not left kind of cold. Uh, it, it it's kind of guiding you in how to use it. And so I've enjoyed both the Bing and the, the Bard for that. They're, they kind of are good for different things, but yeah. but they they've been helpful. That's cool. I, I'm 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 curious to see how they grow. I mean, they're not they're not the danger that everyone thinks they are. Not yet. Anyway, they're not these. The ones that we have today are not going to take anybody's jobs. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's we're a long way from that. Um, just even the writer's jobs, you know, that sure they're probably taking, you know, the jobs of people who've been composing spam bait articles on websites, you know, that sort of thing. But but they're not they're not that, you know, but they are a useful tool at this point. Right. They're a useful help. I use it every day. I use them every day helping me with, um, as I've said before, creating web pages for our, our, our podcast episodes, uh, coming up, summarizing the episode content into a really useful short, you know, tweet length, uh, post that's blurb that's yeah. dynamic and, you know, engaging, uh, that sort of thing. And it, I, I found it to be very useful for that sort of thing. So, uh, so our next headline uh, is from the Wall Street Journal, and it's an interesting story about this group of scientists who are track using technology to track down bad research. There's a there's an epid in case you don't know there's an epidemic of bad science research and bad uh, scientific studies out there, and uh, some of it may be innocuous mistakes but a lot of it is got to be fraud fraudulent data they they fudge the data they you know they omit stuff in order to make their conclusion that they want be true and that sort of thing one of the things that surprised me about this article is i never realized how many thousands of scientific studies are published every year like it's thousands there's there's thousands of scientific journals and each one of those is going to have a dozen articles a month or quarterly and you know what i mean it's just like it's crazy how many there are one of the things that they've uh the, the numbers in this story is that the rise in the number of retracted papers scientific papers for in 2002 there were 119 scientific papers retracted due to faulty data conclusions some problem with them that so 119 in 2022 there were 5500 like wow mm. and and they the one of the things they say is you know these guys who are doing this work which is part-time for them they're, they're they have you know day jobs but one of the reasons they do this is because people have lost faith in science although i don't know if people have lost faith in science they certainly lost faith in scientists 
which we've seen right. in recent years. What'd you think of this one, Pat? Well, I can I can see where there's a, a lot of stuff that um, I know that there's been several things that what is it the science babe or whatever has gone after saying look these aren't valid you know and it it helps people to learn what's valid and what is just faked or is wishful thinking. Uh, I I think that there's, as you say, too much has gotten past, maybe just with laziness or somebody wanting to get their name in print or just wishing that they had uh, somebody to fund their stuff so they get it out there. Uh, I I really am glad that they're cracking down on it. Yeah, I I am too. I mean, the thing is, is the more bad data that gets out there, the more bad science gets out there, the worse it is because it can lead to things like uh, bad conclusions for by government lawmakers, you know, Oh, look, this, these studies all say this, so we should do that. You know, but if the studies are fraudulent, they're making government policy based on nothing. Or, you know, you can imagine all the other ways that's bad scientific journals, uh, articles can, can cause harm. I mean, this is people cite journals, studies as evidence when they're when making arguments about all kinds of things. And, you know, you could you can ruin an industry with, a you know, you know, you get our um, studies that come out and say eating hamburgers will kill you. And the next one says eating hamburgers is perfectly fine. In fact, it will extend your life. And you're like, well, what's going on here? Like, which one do I believe? Can't they can't all be right. So, right. It, the, I mean, there's a kind of a problem just with the in the scientific journal, the science profession as it is. There's too many studies. You know, there's just there's too much of this stuff out there. And then nobody reads the actual paper. New, uh, the journalists cite out of the uh, the executive summary and, you know, the, the blurbs handed to them by the PR people at the university. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's handed off to us as if that's gospel truth. It's science, you know, and I think all of this is a problem. And then you get the evidence that a lot of these people are, you know, that not, not everyone and maybe not even a majority, probably not even a majority, but a lot of people, 5,500 journals, journal articles last year are faking it or doing something wrong. And that's, that's, Problematic. Are using using poor procedures and not dot you know not uh, getting a peer review at the time when they're doing it, so they they just keep on going and make bad conclusions. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I you know power to these guys. The 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 uh, I should name the the guys who are doing this. The um the, these uh, three behavioral scientists who behind uh, John Simmons, Leif Nelson, and Yuri Simonson who have a blog called Data Colada instead of Pina Colada, Data Colada. <laughs> oh, whoa. Uh, and, uh, and so they're, they're three of the people that are cited in this. They're doing a lot of the work. Uh, there's also a, uh, um, a woman uh, scientist who specializes in, uh, it's interesting, some of these people, the people specialize in finding uh, images in microbiology studies that have been doctored. That's that's what she does. She finds the doctored images because she's really good at at these images. It's like okay, that's fascinatingly that's narrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so and she does that, and you know, there's a number of other people who do it. So power to them all. Uh, uh, grateful to them for for doing this thankless job. 
Well, and I saw something recently where there was a uh, a work being done to try to make sure that pictures that are published on the internet that artists are trying to make sure that their stuff isn't being picked up and and uh, used. Uh, erroneously and so there's something about poisoning of digital images oh. so that if if you know that it's like they've got a uh, an unseen watermark or something and somebody somebody tries to take it and use it it, it you know they can prevent it so this was an article yeah it's not in our uh, list here so i don't have the um the article itself but i remember reading it about a poison pixel they can put a poison pixel in and it's specifically to stop the ai image generators from using this artist's work as part of its model building. Um, right. So any the, the data it gets from it will be garbled because of the poison pixels. I'm not sure how it all works. I didn't see the details. No, me neither. But it, it sounded interesting and it mm-hmm. sounded positive because I know there's so many people that are saying, well, how do we know if it's AI or how do we know that it's not taking and plagiarizing? And so to have AI be able to detect that AI is being used, that would be helpful. Yep. And uh, those things like that would be, you know, the, we need the safeguards. Right, right. Yeah, with AI, the deep fakes getting so good, we need help in de- detecting fraud and deep fake and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, we need um, good hackers for good is basically what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we move on to the uh, rest of our headlines, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Lenny B, Rachel F, David K, Dan S, and Michael P. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So uh, speaking of AI, our next headline is uh, another use of AI for good. And the city of Los Angeles is using an AI to help identify people who are at risk of homelessness and then intervening before they lose their home. And so what they do is they have a, 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 a set of data that comes in from, I think they said 17 different government agencies, and they use an AI to sift through it to identify people on, uh, see, emergency room visits, crisis care for mental health, substance abuse disorder diagnosis, arrests, and signups for public benefits like food aid. And then using machine learning, it's that the magic phrase, using machine learning, it comes up with a list of people considered most at risk for losing their homes. And then they have specialists contact them and offer them money, basically uh, aid that will help them pay rent, take care of these you know various things that are threatening their ability to stay in a home because it costs a lot less to keep a person in their home than it is to get someone off the street into a home. Uh, so if you announce a prevention is worth a pound of cure, as the old saying. And the article uh, profiles several different people who the program has helped with, you know, thousands of dollars for rent, utilities, uh, to pay, uh, you know, uh, hospital bills, pay, even things like paycheck loans. Now, they don't give the money directly to the people. They give given to a third party vendor who pays their bills for them to prevent abuse and to make sure things go where they're intended to go and to help to, to be actually helpful. Uh, one of the things I found interesting about it was how hard it was to convince some people 
that they just wanted to give them a bunch of money to help them out, um, which is kind of sad too as well. What do you think of this one, Pat? Well, I was I was struck by that same thing that the people that were called often thought it was a scam, often thought it was a too good to be true. It's got to be a hook. And yeah, so I mean, in some ways, we're training, training people to be more careful about uh, the calls that they get, et cetera. But it is sad that, you know, that they they really thought that this that wasn't really intended for them. It really was a fake. Right. But and refused. Yeah. They wouldn't take the money like at all. Well, I. Yeah. yeah, that 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 is a shame. But I I like the idea of trying to predict and help people before it gets too bad. I know Rehabilitation Commission, that's one of the things that they always strive to do is to try to train somebody to try to get them back into work to prevent the people being on the dole or on, you know, without resources. And that's harder and, you know, better to get the money in taxes while they're working than the money just going out uh, because somebody needs help and has no resources. So, right. It's a, it's the same type of principle. Yeah. One of the people they profile in this is this guy who's a 65 year old retired handyman who went on disability when he had an injury back in, when he was in his 40s. He's been barely getting by in a one-bedroom apartment in L.A. And then he, his ex-wife died a year ago, and she had been raising their three teenage green, grandsons because their daughter was uh, addicted to, to drugs. And so now he's had to take in the boys, and, you know, it's, he's been he struggling. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, I had a little money put away, but, boy, I went through it because these kids eat, which – raising two teenage boys like i tell you they do and uh and like they're in one one bedroom apartment so he's got three bunk beds in a in his living room with all their stuff you know and so this program identified the the problem you know it, it saw the you know the a number of these things come up they send a case manager out he talks to him what do you need and he's trying to get them a new place get them a housing voucher, you know, walking through it. And he's like, he, he used to get food stamps to help feed the kids, but that stopped last, you know, a while ago. And he's not sure why. And, and the caseworker figured out it's probably paperwork. So we'll help him with that. And you think like, there's a lot of help out there. We provide a lot of assistance to people who need help, but there's so much bureaucracy, so much red tape. People don't, you know, people met, you know, mishandle it, mis, mis, make mistakes on it, and it stops. I mean, give up. Yeah, I mean, I, we have five kids, and we have them in. You know, we have to do tons of paperwork just for our five kids in this middle class situation, and it is tough to keep track of it all and to do it all. And there's so many papers and so much stuff to fill Deadlines. out. I can imagine, you know, a, a single sixty-five-year-old man who's been retired having to suddenly take care of all this stuff. It's got, it's got to, you got to be in a feel like you're in over your head and drowning. So, you know, he's, he's happy to have the help. Um, it hasn't taken away all his stress and, and worries. Of course, I can tell you that. Uh, it sounds like a good man trying to do right by his grandsons. And, uh, but, uh, but it, it's a huge help. And so I'm, I'm glad to see it. I hope it can grow and be duplicated. Um, and that it's, that it remains efficient, that it doesn't become just another giant you know, bureaucracy burning money either. That's the other thing. But yeah. I, I love the idea of using technology to keep people from becoming homeless, from, you know, get from it getting worse because homelessness is a huge issue right now uh, all over. Right. Speaking of meta, by the way, back to meta, 
because everything keeps coming back to them. Uh, the, uh, the, they, they have floated a proposal to charge $14 a month for ad-free Instagram or Facebook in Europe, uh, not everywhere. And this is to comply with a very specific European Union law, which requires social media companies to offer an ad-free content for users who don't want them to use their digital activity to target ads. And this is what Facebook does. This is their entire model is we, we, we follow you around and we, we, we dig into your, your everything about you and we try to serve you ads based on it. And uh, you know, of course nobody really likes that. And, uh, and so their, their proposal is if someone wants to do this, then, you know, they cost us, um, you know, about 10, 10 euros a month to, you know, of ads to support each user. So you can just pay that and, and get away with it. Um, they, they would charge slightly more for ad free on your phone instead of on the desktop, because they say Apple and Google have to take their, their cut, which I'm not sure that's necessarily true because um, Amazon managed to uh, negotiate lower costs for their in-app stuff. So I don't know. It's uh, with Apple. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. Uh, what do you what do you think of this? Would you pay $14 a month for ad free that they, they're not tracking you? I'm not sure that I would tra- do that much. That's, that's an awful lot. I mean, I'm getting, seeing being nickeled and dime on paywalls for news and all sorts of, and increased streaming costs and a lot of things. You know, I, I'm pretty good at ignoring all the ads. But on the other hand, I know, like, I won't watch free TV because I cannot stand the ads on that. And I am willing to pay. <laughs> so maybe maybe if, if Facebook meant more to me, I might be more willing to, to pay more per month for that. But, yeah, it's just getting to the point where we're paying a lot of money for virtual information or virtual uh, r- rights. Mm-hmm. than we are for physical stuff anymore. That's right. That's right. And I, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people, Facebook and Instagram are not something they'd be willing to pay for. You know, they they just, it's not a, it's, it, it, it's not a priority. It's not mm-hmm. a priority. You know, again, like you say, everything else is already, you know, costing us stuff. You know, we're paying for all of the other entertainment. I don't get enough out of Facebook or Instagram to justify that. Now they're not saying that the ad supported version would go away, but you know, if you, if you don't want to get digitally tracked, then you can pay us is basically what they, what they're saying. If it's optional, that's that it's yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Now, if they just start increasing the ads because they've got this ad free tier, then that's a problem, but I don't see yeah. how they can increase it any worse than it is. <laughs> I'm no kidding. There are times <laughs> when it feels like that's what all my, my feed is right now. Uh, but, uh, and it is not, this is their proposal. The EU could come back and say, no, no, you have to offer a free no ad version for people in, right. which I don't know how they could do that because that, that would basically put them out of business. Like bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they got to make some money from something. So I'm not sure how that would be possible. So it would probably be something somewhere in between. And again, it's the EU only, although, you know, the U S could make a law too. Um, but we'll see. I just feel like 
Facebook is more likely to go away than it is to, you know, um, make make it transition to a paid service like right. a Netflix or a Disney Plus, you know, that sort of thing. I just I don't I don't get as much entertainment out of Facebook as I do out of Netflix and Disney right. Plus. So I'm I'm more likely to keep those. Well, and didn't I hear where X was planning on doing a dollar a month just to try to prevent a lot of the spam accounts? Yes. They figured that the that customers might be willing to do a dollar a month. And then that could cut down the the uh, the uh, amount of fake fake right. accounts. The spam bots. There's so many thousands of them, tens of thousands of them on on there that for the spammers, they'd be paying thousands and thousands of dollars a month right. for these accounts. But for me, you know, as an individual, it's a buck. Would I pay a buck for for Twitter? I might. I I don't use Twitter all that much anymore. Um, I just yeah. I find it to be a time sink, like like all the others. Um, so I, I might keep my Twitter account active for a dollar a month, but I don't know if you, if I, if I would, well, I would pay a dollar, like star star quest would pay a dollar a month to keep our account active. I know that we'd do that um, just because we know some of our audience is there, but um, I'm not sure if I would even pay a dollar to keep Twitter. Yeah, I, I wouldn't personally because I just don't use it. Yeah. Every, about once every six months, I go over and look and see what I, if there's anything that's important. And you, there's not. There's not, no. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I've, I really found a use for it was during the time of severe weather, weather warnings. The our, our local weather people have a, a an X or a Twitter account. Yep. And I can see when tornadoes are coming. And that's kind of nice. During during breaking news events, I'm a, I go to Twitter. That's that's a fact, actually. That's I do I do use Twitter for that because people are reporting what they're seeing. Where you know you're Live. getting yeah you're getting more of what's going on, or at least a feel for what's going on um, for people who are there. Um, so I do use it for that, and I, I I have to be honest, I do miss things from Twitter. There is there are interesting people I was following on Twitter that I liked what they had to say, but it just came with too much of a cost of time for me. That I yeah. that I wanted to spend reading books and spending time with my family and that sort of thing, um, and and not sitting there scrolling through Twitter. Uh, just and and I have I have to be I have to but it's true confession time. I have a FOMO problem where I I don't like if if I've scrolled to a certain point in my feed. I want to start from there and not miss any tweets that I I may scroll past. Like I hate like. Be and then, but I'm perpetually behind, like by thousands of tweets. I'm like, and then then you're like, ah, I grit my teeth, declare Twitter feed bankruptcy, and scroll up a thousand, two thousand, you know, tweets, and then start from there or whatever. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I, I I'm not I'm not enjoy I'm not actually enjoying this. I'm in, enduring this. Why am I doing that? And then I I stopped uh, reading Twitter on a regular basis. But I do go and I share and retweet the posts for our shows. And while I'm there, I look at um, the, the Twitter, what is it? The Twitter has a, a feed for not mentions, but like suggested activity. It's their algorithm basically, uh, which is uh yeah, the uh, notifications all where they highlight tweets that you, you might, you're likely to be interested in based on their algorithm. And I'll like look through some of those. But um, in general, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't pay a buck a month for that. Well, and I have a, the opposite way of doing Twitter. I'll go and look at the most recent stuff 
down for a couple of weeks and then I'll get off. You know, I, I don't care of anything earlier than that. I don't try to catch up. Yeah. So uh, then we have our last headline, and this is one that you shared with us, Pat. Uh, you, you noticed it. Uh, the headline is default Windows 11 feature slows SSDs by up to 45%. Here's how to fix it. And the story is that there is a, a feature activated by default in Windows 11 Pro that causes the solid state drives to perform worse, to be slower, and that there is a way to turn that off. Pat, why don't you describe what's going on here? Right. Well, encryption is a big thing these days with privacy and and fear of data theft. And so with Windows 11, you can opt in. Same thing with Windows 10, some versions. You can opt in to BitLocker, but on Windows 11 Pro, it's assumed you want BitLocker. And BitLocker is full drive encryption. And on a, I, I checked out on a Mac, File Vault or encryption is using a different chip than yeah. your normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And on Windows, it's not. It's, it's just sharing time. Right. And so, therefore, that's what's causing a lot of these uh, SSD drives to have a flailing performance because it's doing a lot of work. And SSD drives don't work as well when they're being written and rewritten and stuff like that, uh, they they tend to have more problems. So quite frankly, on any machine that I get on, if BitLocker is turned on, I talk to the people and suggest they turn it off, whether or not it's 11 or 10, because we have more problems with helping people recover from a broken computer than that we do with people having their data stolen. Right. And so... Uh, anytime you have an encrypted drive and the machine breaks, you can't just take out the drive and put it in another machine and recover their data. Right. It, it just, it's, gone. it's just not possible. It's yeah. gone. So I hate BitLocker because of that, because I've had more cases of people who flat out just couldn't get their data back. Right. And the, and most people do not have so much sensitive data that they need to encrypt the whole drive. And, right, and especially if you're if 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 you're in a laptop, that's one thing. You're carrying it around. You could leave it in a public place, and maybe someone could, you know, take out the drive and suck your data down. But if you, especially if it's like on a desktop computer, you especially don't need to have your BitLocker on because it's it, it's in your office or in your home. I mean, the odds of it getting stolen from there are, are so low. Your 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 odds of losing your data by having it encrypted. Are much higher worse. Is, is what Pat is oh, saying. Yeah. So, uh, so I I agree I agree with that one. Um, now, that said, I leave File Vault on on my Macs when I get them because it's unnoticeable. In the early days, it was noticeable. It was slower with File Vault on versus not. But nowadays, like you say, they have the T two chip. It's a dedicated chip on the motherboard because Apple makes the hardware and the software. So they have it. It's it's um. You don't even notice it. Now, there is still the danger that if you if something happens to that T2 chip, you might lose your data. So this is why whether you're on a Mac or a PC and whether you have a hardware encryption on or not, you need good backups for everything in more than one place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and typically with a laptop. You're carrying it around, so there is a little bit more risk. And they're usually SSD drives because uh, that's what's being put in. And you can't take that drive out. 
Right. And recover it. That's the other thing is that with the older PCs and especially with SATA drives, it's real easy to pull the drive and recover the data. And when you're talking about SSDs in a sealed laptop, that's becoming less likely. Right. They're soldered. Their chips soldered to the yeah. motherboard. They're not a separate drive. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, folks, if you're running Windows 10 or 11, especially if you're running Windows 11 Pro, uh, this article that we'll link in the show notes shows you how to look and see if you are affected by it, if the if it's uh, BitLocker is on, and then talks about how to turn it off to prevent it if if that's something you choose to do. So, and the only comment I would like to make is if you do find that you want to turn it off, don't turn off the machine immediately after you've done that setting because it's got to go through the drive and un- unencrypt it. Right, and it doesn't take a huge amount of time, but you don't want it partially unencrypted. Right. That's bad. <laughs> that is bad. You lose data that way. <laughs> yes. Let it finish unencrypting. Let it sit for a bit and, and work it over. Uh, and then and then you can go about your business as usual. Right. You can always go back to the place that you turn it on or off and you can see the progress at that point. Yes. Very good. Excellent. So those are all our headlines. And you know, this I think we had a good batch of headlines this week and uh, I thought it was a very interesting and useful discussion. Uh, now let's move on to our picks of the week. And Pat, you're up first. What is your pick this week? Well, we do so much talking about Apple. I decided that, you know, today with the BitLocker, well, also I decided that my pick of the week was going to be something for Windows users. Uh, there are always problems when you get computer programs and you download Adobe or you download uh, some utilities like OpenOffice or whatever, that if they get out of date, then they become vulnerable to exploits, etc. And I've been using one program called Ninite for a while that would go through everything that it found on your computer and look to see whether it could get updates. Uh, I found this new program that's, I say new, but it's, it's just new to me. It's called Patch My PC, and I checked it out, and it was designed by actually former Microsoft engineers, and it's uh, so it's not just somebody in their home garage doing it, uh, but basically it goes through and up on a home computer, it's free, and they look at up to 300 different packages that you could have installed on your machine, and like today, I ran it on my main Windows machine, and it found 14 programs that were capable of being updated that I had, and it found four of them that needed some patches that I had missed. So I felt really good, and what it does is it does a silent method of going and getting the update, applying it silently, not with all of the, you know, do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want to subscribe to our newsletter? Do you want to put this in a different place? It just does it for you. Mm, nice. And so I've run it on a couple of machines now, and I like it. So uh, I thought maybe this might be helpful for some of our uh, com- people that they don't have a techie in their, their household to help them keep stuff up to date. And this is you just download it and run it. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's similar to a previous pick of the week that I had for the Mac called Mac Updater. does the same thing. Right. Uh, and just updates in place. And it's awesome. It really is awesome. Uh, I was looking at the laptop that I let the kids use for their schoolwork, and I'm like, oh, I need to update 13 different programs on this uh, PC, (laughs) on this Mac. So, uh, yeah, it is really helpful to have something like that. It's great. And it's free. Right. Uh, Mac updater costs something. So that's uh, that's something where the Windows is up on the Mac. 
Well, they get their money from the businesses that use it. Oh, okay. And so, and, and that's why they're willing to give it away free for home, figuring that the people from home are going to say, hey, you know, I'm doing this on my home network or my home PCs. Let's use it this office. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So my pick is also uh, platform agnostic. It, in fact, it's a tip. Uh, and this tip is basically, you know, sometimes you want to share a link to something on Amazon, a product, you know, you want to put it on social media or share it in a Discord or in a family chat or something like that. And, you know, the, the Amazon URLs can be very long. And sometimes they have all this extra stuff at the end for because when you search for it and it puts all that in there, it's a mess. So one thing you can do is you can make a short Amazon link really easily. They give you a way to do that. So just bring up a product page of any product and whether so on a on a desktop you know in a a window browser for on a desktop or laptop look to the top right of the main image and you'll see the standard sharing icon which is usually like the box with an arrow coming out of the top of it and when you click on it it will give you several different ways to share it email pinterest facebook x meaning twitter and copy link and if you hit copy link you get a short URL. It's an, um, what is it? At? Amazon. Bitly? Yeah, no, it's an a.co. Uh, so Amazon okay. paid somebody a lot of money to get a.co. And uh, so it's a.co and then a handful of letters uh, following it that will bring you back to this exact product. Same thing on on uh, on uh, uh, phone and an app. Uh, you look to the top right of the image and you'll see that same icon. You tap on it. And it's a little harder to get the touch target on that. Um, but you can, for if you have an Amazon Associates account, which I do, it will offer the the associate link, which is really actually kind of handy. I didn't know that was there. Uh, but or uh, you could share a non-associates link. If you don't have an associates like a uh, account, then you'll you can it'll probably just give you the regular. Yeah, it'll just give you the regular stuff that I just mentioned to share. So, yeah, so it's a nice way to just share links. And, you know, Christmas is coming up soon. You may be thinking of making a (laughs) Christmas list and maybe needed to share some links with your loved ones. Uh, This is one way to do it. Well, I appreciate it, too, because there's a lot of times clients will ask me things and I'll and I'll point to particular products. And, yeah, the URL that I have to give them right now, I'm just going to the product page, calling up that product, copying the whole thing out of the header. Yeah. This will be a lot better. Yeah. yeah. It makes your emails neater, your texts or whatever, without these long, long uh, URLs. So it's a, it's a small little tip, but I find it useful and uh, hopefully you will too. Great. And so that's our show for today. We would love to hear any, what you think of anything that we talked about today. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC232. We don't have Amazon money, so we can't buy like s.fm or whatever. (laughs) We got to get starquest.fm, which actually I think is a pretty cool one anyway. starquest.fm slash TEC232. Folks, be sure to write a review of the show in Apple Podcast. Please, if you haven't done so before, it is you it is really crazy helpful. It really is. And we don't get very many of them, but it's really helpful if you can write a review in Apple Podcast or anywhere 
you can give us uh, reviews or rankings or that sort of stuff. It is incredibly helpful when you do that. And share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this great community of listeners. Uh, we, it is really grown by leaps and bounds. We get so much great feedback from all of you, and we really do appreciate it. So until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Good to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>